Welcome to Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck and co-host Reverends Bill Holton and Cher Holton. Discover practical applications to bring 21st century metaphysics to work in your life. Here's your host, Paul Hasselbeck. Welcome to another edition of Metaphysical Romp 2. This is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. And of course, it's another beautiful day in my consciousness. Hello, this is Reverend Dr. Cher Holton, and it is definitely another beautiful day in my consciousness. Howdy, and this is the Reverend Dr. Bill Holton. Glad to be with you again, and it is very definitely another beautiful, beautiful day in my consciousness as well. And as you guys know, and for those who of you who don't know, Sarah and I are the co-founders of an online uh, virtual spiritual ministry, Events Driven, and our name is the Unity Center for UniversalProsperity.com, and it's Y-O-U Universal because it's about your spiritual growth. And the easy way to find us is go to UCFYP.com, and we welcome you there and have lots of great resources. Yeah, and after you go to ucfyp.com, you can come to paulhasselbeck.com. Yeah. You can find my calendar, what I'm doing, as well as my weekly blog that I call The Absolute Word. And, of course, this is Metaphysical ROM 2, and this is our first episode of 2023. And I always like to have a little phrase I remind myself of from time to time. So it's free to be in 2023, free to be in 2023. And of course, this is is metaphysical romp. We're about metaphysics, which literally means beyond the physical. However, in our understanding of metaphysics and the way in which we are structured, that includes our bodies and our brains. So we are spirit or divine or spiritual, whatever you want to call it, and we are mind or consciousness and we are these physical bodies and we don't separate them up as a lot of people tend to do right guys absolutely yes and we share lots of practical ways that you can be better as you are free to be yes (laughs) definitely we're all about practicality so in this episode we are exploring an article entitled neuroplasticity, how to use your brain's malleability to improve your well-being. And yes, friends, I had to practice both of those words, (laughs) neuroplasticity (laughs) and malleability. That's an article by Megan Call, who is a licensed psychologist and is the director of the Resiliency Center at the University of Utah Health. And I haven't looked up this resiliency center, but I'm sure going to. Yes, we are, too, because I think the article, as you'll see, as we talk about it, has so many great practical ideas. Amazing. And and the way they structure their articles is uh, in a very, very useful way. I'm going to put it that way. Okay, shall we get started? Absolutely. Let me just start with the very beginning. The brain is a highly active and malleable learning machine. Knowing that, we can develop strategies to improve well-being, like engaging in activities that are new and challenging. That's kind of like the the pithy one-sentence summary of what we're going to be talking about. And yeah, I it's think- kind of like a tagline that got my attention. 
Right. And and it's a good place to start as we enter 2023 when you think about it. And yeah, again, it's smart, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the free to be uh theme that you have, Paul, fits so perfectly because it it recognizes that we have the ability and the power to make changes in our neuroplasticity. Yes. So we're back to a really common theme that that we are a power unto ourselves mm. and that no one or no thing actually has power over our consciousness. Right. And once we learn that, we can then be more responsible. Absolutely. Yes. She starts off with a case study that we thought we would share. And it's about a guy named Derek. Is that where we want to go? Yeah, for sure. All right. So as we looked at this and tried to decide whether to share the case study or not on the show, we decided we would because we want you to listen and see how much of Derek might sound familiar to you, how much you may see in yourself either in the past or maybe even right now. So she's talking about her patient, Derek. And of course, this is a made up name to protect the innocent or guilty, whichever the case may be. (laughs) But it starts off by saying that he is a high achiever. So I can relate to that. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of us can relate to that right away. Like many high achieving individuals, he struggles under the weight of his own high expectations. Just think about that for a minute. Struggling under the weight of our own expectations. And boy, do I know a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We meet them all the time. Yes. So to describe that, he assumes that being harsh toward himself and always expecting more of himself is necessary to remain motivated and competitive. Tag. <laughs> yeah. Are we all it? <laughs> well, yes. So the thing is, is that prior to my reading that that book on self-compassion, I, I could identify this really strongly. And, and what's interesting too here, and I want to say a little bit about it is he is assuming, he as in Derek is assuming and probably others, that, that being harsh on ourselves is necessary. I would kind of modify that a little bit um, by saying that we should know our self better, be more aware of who and what our self really is. The three of us are in the metaphysical ministries. And when you think about it, it reminded me, and I'll be quick, of of Willie Shakespeare's Hamlet, where he says, to thine own self be true. Yes. I thought, well, that applies to Derek, and that applies to all of us. And I thought, well, to which self? Should we be true? (laughs) Since we're metaphysicians here, I I had to go there. And very quickly, uh, I want to say the same thing applies to us, which us is showing up at any particular point of time. For example, to which self are we to be true to? Is it the one that shows up when we go to work or the one that is present when we're in church or the self that questions unquestioned answers or the one that gets irritated when people don't respect individual differences? Or is it our higher self that knows our human embodiment is just a physical garment that we're wearing, which people assume is the only us? Which self are we talking about? <laughs> wow, Bill. It looks like when you when you read this, you you became self 
ish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Spell dash ish. Yes. You got it, Paul. <laughs> and perhaps all of us should be self dash ish to, to know and become aware of really who we are. Are we past, present, or future selves as we as as, as we walk through skin school? Yes, self-awareness is really important. <laughs> and that actually, it's so interesting because that actually leads to where Derek is in this case study. What you just said is a response to him because at 37 years old, he now recognizes that his current approach to life isn't working. And so after learning about neuroplasticity, and just what Bill shared would affect this, he began to, one, work on increasing his self-awareness by noting self-defeating behaviors as they occurred, and by, two, incorporating mindfulness exercises into his daily routine. By observing his thoughts instead of getting caught up in them, he has moved from a place of self-deprecation to self-compassion. <laughs> what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had just mentioned self-compassion. There's another book called the resonant, your resonant self, which is the self that's supportive. And most of us don't even know what that voice can even sound like. Well, let's just say before I read or listened to that book, I didn't know what it could sound like. And so. And I'm wondering that based on what Sarah just read, if if we can become more neuroplasticized, is that a word? And and become more self-aware, <clears throat> I think we will discover that all of us have a higher self that's more that's more connected with our spirituality, and uh, our lower self, which are the same selves, the same dimensions of our quote-unquote selfishness. That the neuroplasticity, I believe, will help us become more self, capital S, self-aware. Yes. I- Absolutely. And I think that's where this is going. This is leading. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So she starts out at the very important point and I'm going to have you read it. She asked though, what is neuroplasticity? Isn't that a great question? Right. (laughs) Because a lot of our listeners might be sitting there saying, I've heard that word, but I don't quite know what it means. It's one of those words we throw around, but rarely stop to define it. So go for it, Cher. Well, she does a really good job of just succinctly telling us neuroplasticity or the capacity for our brain cells to change in response to our behavior. I love that definition. There it is right there. It's a capacity for our brain cells to change in response to our behavior. And where does our behavior come from? It comes from Our thoughts, ideas, beliefs, images, feelings, emotions, experiences, attitudes, and all of that Mm -hmm. leads to our behavior. Yes. Yeah. And And I'm one who believes, and I think we all believe this, is that she talked about brain cells. I believe that it is our consciousness that changes our brain cells, which register that change in consciousness as to our brain cells produce that consciousness and the debate in neuroscience is just that yeah. does does consciousness change the brain or does the brain change consciousness and hopefully one day there'll be agreement on that process and i also think in some ways it's a two-way street most definitely yeah. they're definitely connected yep there's a connectedness there that so so at the age of 70 which is my current age <laughs> 
this next phrase caught my attention because she says, it, it, when, I'll, I'll repeat what she said, the capacity of our brain cells to change in response to our behavior can help us more thoughtfully engage in activities that will contribute to our own well-being no matter our age. Yes. Yes. And that put up a red flag for myself because uh, what we do, what my friends do uh, that are uh, around my age, we talk a lot about uh, what we're losing mm-hmm. in our brain capacity, our our memories. In fact, one of my little funny phrases that maybe I'm going to stop using is, my memory's still good. It's just a lot slower. <laughs> and, and that in a way is self-deprecating, isn't it? And what we're learning is our brain cells can change no matter what age we are. This is true. This, and this ties back to what we talked about in our last couple of shows when we talked about the growth mindset. And one of the keys of the growth mindset is how we talk about and think about the aging process and having good role models of people who do that really well. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I've become much more aware of little phrases I use. And what's interesting is when you start listening to people talk and, and when you talking with a group at a certain age, they tend to talk about illness a lot. And it's, it's, it's like, they feel like it's natural and it it doesn't have to be. And that's not have to be. Yes. 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 So we know that the brain is highly active and a malleable learning machine across a person's lifespan. And so she says this malleability is called neuroplasticity. And so those are synonyms for each other in a way, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really good for people to just be aware of what that word means and, and almost see it happening within your, your mind, you know, you just see the expansion and the ability to be more resilient and more flexible. Yeah. And when I think of malleability, I think, think back to playing with Plato. Oh, yes. Plato is very malleable that, and that, that I'm the one that determines what happens to that Play-Doh. Well, it's turning out you and I are the determiners of what happens with the malleability, the neuroplasticity of our brain cells. Exactly. Yes. And and we'll talk about this later uh, at this, if not this program, next program is that we have both gray matter and what neuroscientists call white matter. And that gets back to what Paul just said about our malleability. Okay. So why is it important? We can influence our brain development, and here's what's important, in positive or negative directions. So we're the ones that choose, is it positive or negative? The more we engage and challenge our mind and body, the longer our brains function at a high level. Amen to that. And again, we're back to the concept of choice, aren't we? Yes, I think everybody ought to take that sentence, type it out and put it in front of them on the mirror or whatever. So they see it every day. So that every day you engage and challenge your mind and body. Yes, indeed. And how does it work? How does it work? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Neuroplastic change occurs at the chemical, structural and functional levels of the brain. Now, this is something I absolutely did not know. Hmm. For me, this is really great new information. So let's see if we can 
re review those three, and then we'll move on to the absolute word. Okay, so chemical change occurs in the initial stages of learning something new. Chemical change primarily influences short-term memory or short-term improvement in a motor skill. Yeah, and, and actually, it prepares you for higher brain receptivity with those chemical changes. And receptivity to what? Higher thought. Wow. Wow. That's a little extra bonus plus. Yeah. <laughs> Bill's research is paying off. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So that's a chemical change that happens. There's also a structural change. So we want people to realize we're not just talking woo-woo stuff here. No, no, this is not literal changes that occur. So the chemical we've talked about, the structural occurs when neurons in the brain change their connections, literally change their connections and alter your brain structure. This type of change requires more effort and time, and it involves long-term memory and long-term improvement of a motor skill. And, and not just motor skills. Your outlook on life changes, your perspective changes. You are more receptive to latent uh, higher abilities. And I'm going to add uh, psychic abilities in this as well, because the structural changes allow your left brain hemisphere and right brain hemisphere to talk to each other. And wonderful things happen when that happens. And then the third one is functional change. Functional change. That occurs when the entire brain networks change. These brain networks, as they are used over and over again, become more excitable and more efficient when activated. Yes. Yeah, so we have chemical change. We have structural change and functional change. And they kind of occur in that order. And the short thing about this is one and done doesn't do it. <laughs> so true. That's right. So that how do you get the Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> when they're doing that, they start with chemical change, then they move to structural change, and then they move to functional change. Yep. And it takes more and more exercise with the brain for that to happen. The more you exercise the brain, the stronger and more connected it becomes. Exactly. And so I think this is probably a good place to stop. What do you think? I think so. We'll leave everybody hanging. When we come back on our next show, we're going to get a lot of how to do this. And it'd be perfect. We're in the new year. And right. so if you're doing New Year's intentions or resolutions, now you're going to find out not only why you failed, but how you can succeed. Yes. So let's move now to the absolute word, which is based on Sunday messages appearing in Daily Word, a copyrighted Unity publication, and has been used with permission. For this one, I went back to December 18th because I wanted to start the, the year out with joy uh, as the absolute word. So this absolute word is from December 18th. 2022, and the word is joy. I joyfully celebrate myself. I joyfully celebrate myself. As the three wise men followed the star to Bethlehem to greet the newborn child, I follow my inner light, my inner knower, and discover my divinity, sometimes called the Christ within. My divinity is the starting point for my humanity. It is God, the principle which consists of all principles, including joy. 
omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, the 12 powers, and so much more. As I celebrate this Advent season, I realize my divinity is a source of my joy rather than material goods or creature comforts. When I face challenging times, I draw from the inner wellspring of my divinity, most especially the principle of joy. I have within me the power to overcome any challenge. This day, this moment, I joyfully celebrate that I am fully divine and fully human. I joyfully celebrate myself. And so it is. And this is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck signing off for now. And this is Reverend Dr. Cher Holton saying, have a wonderful year ahead. And this is the Reverend Dr. Bill Holton and the three of us invite you to joyfully celebrate your true self in 2023.